Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. If this podcast helps you spiritually, will you consider helping us naturally? You can give online or become a monthly partner as we aim to help more ministries and release more content. You can give online today at thelife.cc. Enjoy today's message. Today I want to talk about... Well, this morning I mentioned one thing. I mentioned that you have to know God. It's, it's as simple as that. It's hard to believe in someone you don't know. And it's something, it's been a recurring theme in all my messages. No matter what I speak on, I always tend to gravitate towards that same thesis. That you can't really trust someone and you really can't believe in someone you don't know. So instead of just saying, you know, hey, get to know God, well, today, uh, based on Scripture, I want to show you who God is, and and we're going to approach this from a different angle. I want to show you six different things God cannot do. That way, you know, when stuff is happening in life, you know that's God or that's not God. Have you ever heard of those, you know, people that seem super spiritual and they're like, oh, that was the Lord. And the Lord said, well, you can say the same thing when you know him. It's what uh, the Apostle Paul would say, you know, I want to know him. He mentioned it so many times. He said, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection, that I may know him, that the spirit of revelation, the spirit of truth, you know, be alive, that the eyes of my understanding would be open, that I that I could know the hope of my calling, that I could understand, you know, the, the inheritance that I have, that I can understand the power that abides in me, that, that there's an understanding of who God is and what he's done in you and through you and it's not just for whoever's going to be ministering it's for all of us if you consider yourself a Christ follower then this is for you you get to know God personally and it sounds weird or whatever but you get to say stuff like yeah the Lord told me the other day like those things should be normal in our life. Yeah, well, I was walking the other day and then the Lord stopped me and he told me some things. Like it's not just for the prophet, it's for all of us. If you consider yourself a son and a daughter of God, this is possible. Uh, I'm always shocked at how other even other ministers, and this is not to talk bad about other ministers, but how people are shocked at how deep our pastor is. That I've had other ministers call me or, you know, just in conversation say, man, Pastor Joel, it's amazing. He, he's always saying stuff like the Lord told me and the Lord showed me. And it's awesome that we have a pastor like that. But I'm also impressed and surprised that other ministers are shocked. It's like, do you? So who's telling you stuff? Right. Like, who's, who's showing you stuff? And so they, I'm not even going to say who these people are or anything because we don't want to, you know, start some, some tradition here that's weird. Uh, the, the whole point is, is this should be normal. And, and what's normal in Christianity and what's normal in a relationship with God maybe won't be normal for the world. And that's fine. Uh, see, sometimes uh, we think that God is going to make us fit in when we are meant to stand out. And when we are meant to stand out, it's not just being celebrated by this world. To stand out in this world might be to not be liked by this world. It's just to be, it's to be different. It's to be more Christ-like. 
And if you see Jesus, the, the, the more you are like, I mean, you see his life, Christ's life ended up in the cross. If you want to be like Jesus, you know, it, you, you, might, you might end up crucified sometimes. Like this is the truth. But, but this is what we live for. We, we live to glorify him. We live to glorify him in our life. So I want to talk about six points real quick of who of what God cannot do. That way you know when stuff happens, you're like, oh, no, that's not God. Why? Oh, because he can't do that. Oh, that's not God. No, because he doesn't talk like that. Oh, that's not God. Oh, no, because his word said that he, it's impossible for him to do that. So, and if it's not God, then guess who it is? Yeah. It's the enemy. And sometimes we need to put a little bit of spotlight on the enemy because it's always God doing or God not doing. And no, sometimes it's the devil doing stuff. And that's why the word of God says we should resist the devil. Yeah, it's not just follow God, but also resist the enemy. There is an enemy out there. And he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give you life. So there's two sides to this thing. So let, let, let's talk about things God cannot do. And I know it, those that are deep in Scripture are like, well, is there anything too hard for the Lord? That's what the Word of God says. So what are we going to talk about? Well, we will see the first thing is God cannot have rivals. He cannot have a rival. In other words, you know, we have different conversations. Like in, in basketball, you have the GOAT conversation, right? Is it Jordan? Is, is it LeBron? You know, is it Kobe maybe? And, and you have all, all these different debates. But the point of the, of the fact is, is that they're very close to each other. It's like they're competitive. The, the rivalry is competitive. If you, and so everyone dreams about one day, like if Jordan and LeBron were to play against each other, and you know, who would win? but you know it would be close well the the devil is not the rival of god like it's not like the devil is almost as powerful as god he's just a little bit less but just very close no there is no comparison like it, like god's power compared to the devil's power it's so it's a different league like it's not even close and why do i say that because sometimes we act like he is powerful like our god and so we tend to like shy away from talking like st stuff like that like oh don't say that you know the devil might hear you oh no no don't say that well what if he what if he hears you what if he's here with us right now well i wish he was he would step on his feet because the word of god said that he's he's under your feet that we've been given the name above all names like it's different like consider the battle of heaven you know the the huge battle where where the devil stood up and he's like i'm taking the throne and, and a lot of people would narrate this story like they caught god off guard you know, God was like, God was looking somewhere else. And then all of a sudden, a third of his angels were against him. And they almost took the throne. And God was sweating. And he didn't know what to do. And he finally pressed the button. And then heavens opened. And finally, all the angels fell. And God was like, oh, that was close. <laughs> Except for Jesus actually explained it in Luke chapter 14, where he says, I saw the devil fall down like lightning. So how fast is lightning? That's how quick the battle was. And like the devil stood up and was like, I'm going to take the throne. And God's like, okay, pop. <laughs> Done. There, God cannot have rivals. Like the go conversation of eternity is settled forever. Like it's God and he has no rival. Now let, let's, let's give some biblical context. Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 to 11 says, Therefore God also... I was highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus 
every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's no rival. It doesn't say, but those that follow Satan won't. Like There's going to come a point, no matter uh, how, uh, how much of an atheist people are, there will come a point, whether it's in this life or in the life to come, where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess because it's non-negotiable, non-negotiable and it's non-debatable. Like God has no rival. First Timothy verses 1 to 17. Is it okay if I give you a ton of word today, like a ton of Bible? I, I, I want to equip you with the word of God. First Timothy chapter 1 verse 17 says, Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, to a God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. These last two scriptures we've read just show of his power. And there's obviously more. But I want you to know one thing. God cannot have rivals. It's not even close. I've told this story before. But when we were kids and we were living at this house, uh, some paranormal activity started happening at my house back in Colombia, and like you know, uh, stuff was falling, doors were opening, closing, like it was intense. And I was 10, 11 years old, and so I would get scared all the time. And I started noticing that stuff like this would happen when my parents would leave, and you know, and, and plates would fall and crash, and it was pretty demonic. And so I would tell my dad because obviously I'm not breaking stuff. I, I wanted to you know clear that with my with my parents. So my dad uh, noticed that it, it was happening. So he, he explained to me, he's like, John David, I want to show you one thing. Just think about this. Like the devil in all his power, the, the, the devil wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he wants to do. And all he's doing right now, all of the armies of, uh, of hell, they're coming into the kitchen. They're opening up a door. And with all their might, they're pushing a cup. <laughs> so I look at it that way. I'm like, well, that sounds stupid. I was like, exactly, because they can't touch you. What they, what, they need, what they need for you to do is step out of faith and step into fear. And then that, that's how they could get you, right? But, but even then, great, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Like it's, it's not comparatively. It's, it's just greater. He, he is so much bigger. So I'm like, well, stupid devil. Well, like I can take him then. So, so he told me next time it happens, you go into the kitchen and then you declare the name of Jesus and say, it's got to leave in the name of Jesus. So I'm like, okay. So I hear it starts happening like a few days later, starts happening again. So I grab my brother just because I need my backup, right? And so he's six, I'm 10. We're like, we're going to face the armies of the devil. And, and so we walk in and it just, it's gloomy, it's weird. And I, I say, so my dad said, uh, you got to go in the name of Jesus. He says, he said, greater is he that is in me. And so I start repeating everything my dad told me to say. And then all of a sudden it stopped. And a couple of days later, we found out that the person that was helping us in the house, uh, she had this whole like witchcraft, uh, 
like a little little altar in the back that we didn't know and was doing stuff and stuff that happens in the third world. I mean, what I can't, what can I say? But but the whole point is, is my dad gave me perspective. That when, and when you think about it, like you, the devil's not as strong as you think he is. So don't exalt the devil. It's 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 there's no comparison at all. You shouldn't fear the devil. You you, you shouldn't even entertain his thoughts. He says he's it's such a different league. It's just stupid to give your time to those things. Just declare the word of God. Declare the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name. And then you go in faith. God cannot have any rivals. Number two, God cannot remember sins that are forgiven. He can't. It's, it's literally impossible for him to remember. He promised. It, it, it says in Psalms 103, verse 12, it says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, I memorized these Bible verses because my, my dad would always bring this prophet in once a year. And uh, that prophet would read people's mail. All the time. It was like a two-week conference. And, and so, I mean, there was like 14 days that any one of those days, the prophet could call you out and call you out on all your sins. So I would always walk in every day to church and declare Psalms 103, verse, verse 12. And I would always tell God, God, you've forgotten everything I did today. I know you have. Like you, your word says. And so if you tell him, then, then you're a liar because you said that you have, you have forgotten. As far as the east is from the rest, you cannot remember. Hebrews uh, chapter 10 verses 15 to 17 says but the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us for after he had said before this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days says the Lord I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them and then he adds and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more you know how people say that when we get to heaven we'll probably see like a video of our life well, you know, that's kind of like a lie because there is no video because it's all been deleted. Uh, like there is no. So the devil might want to come and like maybe he has a, like a, a recorder or something. But the, God's going to be like, well, I, I, I don't even remember that anymore. The blood of Jesus has paid it all and it's covered a multitude of sins. Like who you and why am I saying this? Because then it just changes the whole aspect of your life and your whole demeanor should change because you shouldn't be living based on what you've done or been sorry for, you know, what has happened. God has forgotten it all. And he's promised. He said, I, I will not remember that anymore. So whenever it's coming back to your memory, it's not God. Because if he can't remember it, then why would he bring it up? So it's not God. So guess who it is? It's the enemy. He's trying to limit you. He's trying to stop you. He's like, so the enemy comes and the enemy will tell you, oh, yeah, you, you think you're going to be such a great Christian? Well, what about last night? Well, what about two months ago? Well, what about 10 years ago? But see, that's not God. See, we, we, we got we to gotta separate these things. God is not into the business of making you feel bad in order for you, him to, to love you and you to love him. Like, that's not how he works. God loves you so much that even when we were sinners, he already died for us. Like, that's how much he loves you. So he doesn't need you, you know, to come and say, I'm sorry for all of these things. No, no, he's covered everything. You are covered under the blood. Now start living right. But it's not God who's reminding you of these things. You know, because we, we act like, cause it, so we contradict ourselves so many times. Because it's like, well, God has forgiven me, but God also reminds me all the time. It's like, that's not a loving God. That's not, that's not part of his character. And, and how do we know? Well, his word says, he, he promised, I will not, there are sins 
and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. You enter into covenant with God, and that's one thing that is in, placed into effect. He forgets everything you've done. It's like it never happened before. It's, uh, uh, I've mentioned this before, but you know how uh, some people need a, not just a blood transfusion, but what do you call it when they get like that blood out of your spine and then they put it into someone else's spine? There's a name for it. Uh, not the platelets. Uh, I forget what it's called, but uh, no, not the plasma. They just, get, yeah, bone marrow. Thank you. So when, when they have a bone marrow transplant, something that I think is really cool about a bone marrow transplant is you have to file all this paperwork because if I were to receive a bone marrow transplant from, say, my brother, uh, then my DNA becomes his DNA to where even like if they, if they were to find me doing something and, you know, the cops catch me, they'll probably put him in jail because all the DNA uh, that is from me is actually his DNA now. Uh, it's it's intense it's cool but it makes sense that when jesus died on the cross and he gave his blood and his sacrifice and we we're engrafted into him that's why the bible says no longer i live but christ lives in me that it's not you walking anymore it's christ walking in you like your whole identity has changed so even when the devil says yeah but aren't you john romick was like technically by name yes but actually christ lives in me now like i have a new identity the blood that is in me is now christ's blood you know the life that is in me is now the life of christ the holy spirit that is in me is the holy spirit is the same spirit that raised christ from the grave like i'm a new so that's why the, why the word of god says i'm a new creation in christ jesus the old things have passed away behold everything is new so god has no rival and god cannot remember your sins he has promised that he would forget them all. He, he actually does it to a point where he recreates you into a totally new person. That's why when you, when you get close to God and when you, when you get close in prayer into his presence, that, that you become a different person. And that is fine. You know, some people say, you know, oh, don't lose your essence. But actually, if you can find the essence of Christ in you, it would be better. You know, we, we need you to be more like Christ. That's like, oh, don't, you know, don't lose yourself. But the word of God says actually lose yourself in Christ. You know, it, it's fine. It, it'll be great. You, you, the best version of you is when you, when you look like Christ. So God cannot remember sins that are forgiven. Number three, God cannot be mocked. So there are certain laws that have been placed in life. That no matter how you want to twist it and turn it, grab the word of God and hey, put it in your favor. There are certain laws that will never change. And the word of God says in Galatians 6, verse 7 and 8, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap. So, yes, God is a God of love. God is a God, you know, of justice, of mercy, uh, of peace. But he's also put certain laws in place. I believe a lot of the stuff that happens in life are, is just a result of the seeds we've sown. Uh, you know, the, the word of God invites us to sow mercy, for example. Uh, you know, you sow mercy. And why does it, the Bible say to sow mercy? So that you might reap mercy later on in life. And sometimes we're going through problems where, you know, it's, it, they don't seem fair and we would like mercy and there's no mercy. And so we go to God and we're like, well, you know, well, why is this happening? Like, it, well, this seems so unfair and, and God cannot be mocked. You can't just live however you want and still try to get everything that God has for you. 
Like that's mocking God. That's like, no, no, you, you will reap what you sow. This is not just a financial verse. This is a life verse that whatever you sow into and, it, you know, whatever you sow your time into, you will reap from that. So sometimes we reap destruction because we've been sowing into the wrong plot of land. And so it's not a lack of love. It's not a lack of mercy. It's not a lack of power on God's behalf. It's that God cannot be mocked. God has said and he's placed certain rules, certain laws for our protection, for our blessing. If you want to live however you want to live, that's fine. God will still love you. Because, you know, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. You know, no, no, there's no heavens, no, no, no devils, no mountains, no valleys. Nothing can separate you from his love. But at the same time, God won't be mocked either. You know, you want to call yourself a son and a daughter of God, but live like a daughter of the enemy. Or, you know, it's like it's not God cannot be mocked. Was that too harsh? I'm sorry. Uh, but but yeah, why am I trying to be so bold today because i I have found out that life is pretty short and we can't just play around and just say oh we got time no no no. life goes like this super i see my baby now she's walking and talking she's giving me instructions now i'm like how did this happen this is so quick i've just noticed that there's like an acceleration of time and so now is the time to get bold about christ now is the time to get bold about you know your decision to follow him and be christ-like you know it's not a time to be complacent you'll get on fire for god it's not just something we say it's something we need it's to be on fire for him. So God cannot be mocked. So a, a, a lot of the results of life and stuff that we are living is an attack from the devil. But also some stuff that we are living is just some harvest. You know, it's a lack of mercy that we're not sowing into people. It's a, it's a, it's a lack of, of being nice. You know, you, you, God cannot, you will reap what you sow. Decisions have consequences. You, you, can't, you can't just declare the Lord will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory and then swipe the card as many times as you can. Like, there has to be wisdom involved, right? There's stewardship principles in the word of God. You know, you can't just cast out debt. Well, we'll stop being dumb, right? I mean, like, it's, there's a balance. God cannot be mocked. Right? And so because we, we become like the antithesis or the anti-testimony of a good Christian because we're living the way we want to live. And yet we want to reap all the results of a life that God wants us to live. God cannot be mocked. So, so number one, God cannot have rivals, doesn't have rivals. Number two. Yes, God cannot remember sins that are forgiven. Look at that. There's no takers here. Uh, number three, God cannot be mocked. Perfect. And number four, God cannot change. So imperfection is subject to change, but God is not subject to change. Who he is and what he's established never changes. You know, there's never like a a 1% chance that he might do something different just because you are you or just because the situation is different. Like this is this is the honest, blunt truth. God never changes what he's spoken in his word. That is the law we abide our life by. Like that is it. And there is no Malachi 3 verse 6 says, for I am the Lord and I do not change. 
change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Psalms 102, verses 25 and 20 to 27 says, Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. Yes, they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will change them, and they will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. So there's a lot to this. There's a lot that we could, you know, uh, get from this. But one, no, God has never changed, but he's always existed. Uh, He's probably the wisest person you know, right? Like he, he has seen history. So whenever he's calling you to do stuff, it's not like there's not precedent for it. Like there's, there's a ton of precedent from other people. And, you know, it, the devil will try to convince you that this is the first time that God has ever spoken to someone like you. You know, or it's the first time that he's ever called someone to do what he called you to do. And I'm not saying you're not special. I'm not saying, you know, you're not unique. Yes, you are. But in the grand scheme of things, you know, like hey, this has happened before. God knows what he's doing. He's not going to change just because now it's 2023. Just because now Wi-Fi is quicker. Or just because now, you know, we get distracted more. Like God will not change based on stuff that is changing all the time. God, God is the God of the heavens and the earth. And he does not change what he has put in place, what he has promise for you his power it doesn't change we act like because it's 2023 and there's more technology and there's more sin and everything that god's power is kind of like diminished just a little bit it's the same power you know because we we talk about uh, revivals uh, of decades past or, or centuries past and we're like yeah well it's different well people didn't have netflix back then or what it's the same power with or without technology with or without distractions god can still do it today like his power has not changed now people change and sometimes we put our faith in people like we should put our faith in god So we get disappointed because we're like, oh, I can't believe he said, I can't believe he did. Well, see, the only person you should put your complete trust in is God. Now, I'm not saying you distrust people, but no, no, just trust God. And then you try to interact with people, understanding that people change. Everything is subject to change. But God, God said he promised he will never change. So he's the the same power. The same love, the same mercy, the same plans for your life, they never change. Amen? Amen. James chapter 1 verse 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So look at this, everything that God does and everything that who God is, you know, there's no, not even a shadow or a variation. And the enemy, now the enemy, he, he lives in the shadows. And he'll try to convince you that certain things are good and certain things, you know, they're not sin, so it's okay to do it. But, but there's this variation. You, you, you find it in people who stop going to church because, it, you know, God blessed them so much that now they can't go to church. Listen, there's variation in that. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I, don't, I don't mean to attack anyone. I'm just giving an example of many examples that you'll find in, in our Christian life. But, but God is able to bless you so that you can still go to church. You know that? Like it's like, oh, you know, God, God knows the economy. So he gave me a job, you know, where I can't ever go to church. Like that's not God. You know, why, why would he do that? Why would he bless you so that you can't come to him anymore? Like, it, it doesn't work. That There is no variation. Also understand that if it's good, it's God. Right? It's never the enemy. 
Because the enemy will try to convince you that he's got some good stuff. That might turn into bad stuff, but it's good in the beginning. I, I, I saw, <laughs> there was this, it, it, I, I was watching this video that my brother sent me. This guy, uh, he, he's like in this Christian forum, and they're asking questions and stuff. And he stands up, and he's like, listen, I've been a Christian for a couple of months, but I have to be honest, I, I miss dancing and drinking tequila. <laughs> and so everyone, like, started laughing at that conference. I laughed, but at the same time, I, I knew, well, he so he, he doesn't know who God is yet. Like, he knows what Christianity is. He knows, you know, what the church is on a Sunday. But that's not, that if you know God, you don't want to go back. You know, because every perfect gift, every, every good thing comes from him. Like, he will give you stuff that, you know, will fill your joy and keep it full. Where it's not something that you have to keep going. You know, you know him and he will satisfy you with good things. That's, that's who God is. So number one, God doesn't have rivals. Number two, number three, God cannot be mocked. Number four, number five, God cannot lie. Numbers 23 verse 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? You know, a lot of the frustration in Christian lives is they think God said something, and so then they live their life based on something they thought God said instead of going to his word and finding out if he actually said that. And then, and then, and then it doesn't happen, and they're like, well, what now? Like, why did God change? Like, no, no, whatever God did say, he will do. And some, if it's not a reality in your life, it's probably because he didn't say it. You know, because he can't lie. And how do I know he can't lie? He's so powerful that whatever he says comes true out of the power of his mouth. Think of creation. When he said, when he created the heavens and the earth, he said, let there be light. Before he said, let there be sun. That's how powerful he is. That when he said, let there, there was light before there was a source because it had to happen because God said it. That's how powerful he is. So, he, you know, he doesn't need precedent. He doesn't need an explanation. If he said it, it's done. There was light before there was a source. How does that happen? Well, that's the power of God. So when the word of God says that you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, there doesn't need to be precedent in your life for you to know that you're going to conquer in Christ Jesus. You know, when, when he says that he will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory, there doesn't need to be precedent in your bank account or in your job. Like, it's going to happen. Why? Because he can't lie. If he said it, it has to happen. Like even if there's no source, it'll happen in my life just because he said it. And so when, when you know that, it changes how you talk. It changes how you live when you know him. So the, these are things that we're talking about, you know, what he can do so you get to know him a little bit more. But the challenge is to not only take these six things and then just repeat them, uh, go, go in for more. Go into his word and get to know him more. It says, the word of God says that his sheep know his voice. And so that's always been a challenge for me because I've, I haven't always been able to hear his voice, truly, whether because I'm surrounded by a lot of voices and I just need to get, get away into a silent moment where I can actually listen to him. It's why I believe it's why Samuel heard God three times It's because he was in a quiet place. He was he was in his bed. No, no, there wasn't, net, he wasn't like, you know, uh, on TikTok, you know, till 3 a.m. in his bed. He was silent on his bed, and all of a sudden, God spoke, and he could listen, because he wasn't distracted. 
And he would go to Eli. He's like, what do you need? He's like, no, that's not me. Until Eli finds like, no, I think it's God who's talking. But he, he found himself in the place of rest. It's why God will lead us, you know, into green pastures and lead us into still waters to restore your soul. Because when you are at a point of rest, you're able to perceive his voice. I want to challenge you to, to, to listen for his voice. Don't, don't go looking for supernatural things, right? Like God, write on the wall and show me an angel. And maybe that won't happen, but he lives in you. And you can, and you are able and capable of listening to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And he's the wisest person you'll ever want to listen to. My dad would always say, John David, listen to the Holy Spirit. He'll make you look smart. So it's like a little passive aggressive towards me. I'm like, what do you mean? But at the same time, I, I need it. I, I need the Holy Spirit to tell me. And, and my wife challenged me, challenges me all the time because my wife will come up to me and say, like, I, I, I was talking with the Holy Spirit today. I'm like, oh, really? What did he say? Instead of saying, like, oh, me too. You know, I've been talking. Like, I'm like, so what did he say? So what are we doing today? You know, I'm like, no, like, stop being lazy and, and start praying again. This is to me. I'm, I'm speaking to me. Uh, Psalms 89 verse 34 says, my covenant I will not break nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. So he doesn't just, he can't just lie. He won't change what he's already spoken. So what am I inviting us to do? Let's find out what he said. Let's get into his word. I know we have time. You know, I, I know screen time will tell you that you have time. Right? And so I don't mean to get into everyone's business or anything, but that excuse stopped working like 10 years ago whenever they inv invented that app that tells you how long you are on your phone. Right? It's just, it's just, it's the truth. And the truth hopefully sets you free tonight, right? That you do have time. All right, number six. God cannot be afraid. God's omnipotent. He's omniscient. means he's all-powerful, all-knowing. Psalms chapter 2, verses 1 to 4 says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. But he who sits in the heavens laughs. That's one of my favorite verses. Because I, I know God likes a good time. It says that he sits on his throne and laughs. Like, I want to go to heaven one day and just experience that. Imagine God laughing. Like, it's just, I hope it's the contagious laughter, right? I hope it's one of those where you're like, stop, stop, I can't anymore. Like, my cheeks hurt. Uh, but, but look at the context of this story, though. It says that all the nations are plotting against him. You know, all, all the nations are, are, are coming up against him. There's armies. There's everything. And, you know, they, they've plotted to destroy God. So what is God doing? He's not scrambling for a plan. He's not trying to call Michael and he's like, hey, gather all the armies. They're coming for us. What does he do when, every, when the whole world, when the whole enemy tries to come against God? What does God do? He laughs. Come on. That, I love the pettiness from that. No, he's like, he, he wrote it down. He's like, just so the devil knows that whenever he wants to attack me full force, yeah, I just want him to know what I'll do. I'm going to laugh. Yeah. Well, one, he's got no rival. It's not even going to tickle him, 
Right? That, that's who God is. So God cannot be afraid. God is not shocked. God has never said, oh, me. Right? Like, oh, I can't, oh wow, that caught me off guard. Like, that's not who God is. Like, God is not afraid. I, I wrote this down. You know, seriously, what could frighten God? The future? Well, the word of God says he dwells in eternity, that he is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. So the future can't scare him. The unknown that is for us is known by him. And he's, made, he's, he's Jehovah Jireh. He's prepared for the future. It will never scare him. We think right now, well, I don't know where the economy is going. I, I don't know if I should invest or not. I don't know where politics is going. I don't know where anything is going. But listen, God sits on his throne. And whenever he hears us talking about what the enemy's trying to do, he laughs he's like well the devil's gonna try but i've already prepared a way i've already made a preparation for it you know those that believe in him you know he is the good shepherd and they will not lack for anything right now in the past and in the future he's the alpha and the omega he knows the whole future is god scared of the unknown uh is is god uh scared of the devil uh, he, he stripped him. It says the word of God stripped the devil, made a public show of him openly, like triumphing over the devil at the cross. So is God scared of the devil? He already defeated him. Like he already, and what's cool about it is that he, he went to hell and destroyed him in his home court. And then dragged them all the way to heaven and destroyed them in his own court. Like, it's a, there's no home court advantage for the devil. Like, he lost at every stage. Like, in the, in, the, in the heavenlies, on earth, and in hell. The devil, like, lost it all. So why would God be scared of the devil? And if God's not scared of the devil and God lives in you, why would you be scared of the devil? There's no, there's no reason to. Why would you be scared of the future? Why would you be scared of the unknown? If God takes care of you in grand style, God doesn't change. He cannot lie. What he has promised will come to pass. Amen. Is he scared of the darkness? He is light. There is no darkness in him. Is he scared of sickness? He's Jehovah Rapha, our healer. He says, I am the God that healeth thee. That thee stands for you, right? Like it's just, he's directing it towards thee, right? It's, a, it's, it's simple. God, God is not scared of darkness. He can't be afraid. You know, is God scared of death? Says that he is the life and he is the resurrection. There's, there's nothing God could be scared of. You know, he, he, he's the undefeated God. So I, I want to invite you to, to know him and, and get to know him and the power of his resurrection. I want to invite you to, to invest your time well, to, to be conscious of the time you are living in, of the day and age. And I, I don't mean to, you know, I don't know why people think, and I've been speaking about this a lot more lately about the end times, you know, Jesus is coming, the rapture, the second coming, the millennial reign. It's in the Bible, you know, and people are like, why would we talk about that or not? But it's, it's, if it's in the Bible, we should talk about it, you know, like it's, it's not just cherry pick in the Bible. Let's talk about the whole word of God. And it says that he's coming for us and that, you know, it's, it's not something that, you know, we, we should make the earth a better place when Jesus 
Jesus said, hey, I'm going to leave and prepare a place for you. So we're not here to make the world a better place. We're here to rescue people from hell. You know, we're here to for them to know Christ so that so that we can populate heaven. Right. Like that to change the landscape of heaven. He's he's prepared a place for us. This is not doom and gloom. This is actually the hope of our calling. There's hope in this. You know, Matthew 24, Luke 15, Jesus spoke about these moments. He said that and when these moments happen and when there's wars and rumors of wars and when there's earthquakes. And you know what's crazy? If you see uh, how many earthquakes happened 100 years ago compared to how many earthquakes are happening right now, it's parabolic. It's a literally, it's not, it's not even, you know, it's not even linear, you know, incremental. It's so much bigger now. This is so much closer. And he compares it. Uh, he compares it to when uh, when a woman is about to give birth and has contractions and labor pains. The closer the baby is to coming out, the more contractions there are and the quicker they are. And, and that's what it's, it's like. The earth is groaning and it's groaning for its savior again, for him to come again. So I want to advise you and I want to challenge you and I want to maybe push you a little bit that, you know, these are the times where we go all in. Like these are the moments where it's time. Like if Jesus is coming back, hopefully he finds us, you know, laboring. Hopefully he finds us, you know, with hands to the plow, you know, reaping souls for the kingdom. Like that's what we're about. And someone asked me the other day, yeah, but John David, what, what if he doesn't come back in my lifetime? And I give it my all and he doesn't come back. Well, it's not a bad life to give it your all. So, like, it's a win-win situation. You can't go to heaven and be like, Gee, I'm sorry, Jesus, I, I did too much for you. Like, uh, that's not going to happen. If you love him, you want to. So either way, if he does come back or if he doesn't come back in our lifetime, it's always a good idea to go all in. You know, he, he is a good God. He is a good father. And he wants to be known by you that you might be able to perceive his voice. So I want to challenge you tonight. I'm going to finish. I want to challenge you to, to spend time in his word and then spend time in his presence. And then when you've spent time in his presence, then spend time in his word. And then when you've spent time in his word, well, then spend time in his presence. And then do that over and over and over and over again. And, and you would think that it would get boring. But the crazy thing is that it actually gets better every time because you become more proficient in your approach to the presence of God. You become more proficient. And the more word you have, the easier it is to pray out the things that God has for you because now you know what he has spoken. And so and so prayer becomes deeper to, you know, I used to have a problem and my problem was I didn't know what to pray for. And I would always tell my dad, like, you know, I've already prayed for, you know, the children of third world countries and I've already prayed for, you know, wars and stuff and for world peace. And like, what do I pray for until I, I started reading more of the word of God? And the more I read the word of God, the more I know what to pray for to the point where now I need more time if I want to pray out everything I know he has written. 
And, and it's easy, and it's a, it's a good life. It's actually an efficient life. The Word of God says the effective prayer or the efficient prayer of the righteous man availeth much. And so, so it, it's, it's the prayer that is effective. It's the prayer that is efficient, that when you pray, because you've been doing it right, your prayer brings glory. Your prayer brings power. It's effective. It's efficient because you know him. It's not just a repetition of something you've heard. No, no, it's a reality of a conversation that you have with God that when you speak you know heaven pays attention and so does hell and then the world starts to change because you're opening up your mouth because you feel you're filling yourself with him and with his word that when you speak it's like God is speaking that I believe that you can have a powerful life not because of who you are or who you aren't but because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you because we, we hold these truths, says the word of God, like in earthen vessels. That, that, that you know, th- this is not to glorify ourselves, but, but what, what is our testimony? That, you know, we're earthen vessels, but we still have the glory of God inside of us. That you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Man, you're super special. And you are needed in the body of Christ. You know, the, for, for the body of Christ to move forward, it doesn't take a few anointed people. It takes the body with the unction of the Holy Spirit moving forward to where the miracles is not just in church. The miracle is in your job, you know, and, and it's easy. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. You know, I used to struggle because I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to be the guy at my job that stands up as like, if y'all don't receive Christ, you'll go to hell. Like, and then you get fired, right? Like, yeah, that's not who I, but I've noticed that if I follow the Holy Spirit, he always opens up doors of conversation to enter in where it's easy, where it's light, where you don't even want to talk about. It. And then, you know, they're knocking on your door and it's like, well, let's talk about that. And you're like, oh, okay, do you have time? All right. Like, you know, let's clock out real quick. It's, and then you preach. Then you minister. I believe it's easy. It has to be. Because God is not a liar. And he said it would be easy. So when you feel you're struggling because you're striving, well, then wait. And then go back to his presence. Because his way has to be easy. His way is flowing and not forcing. His way is being led. You, you, You don't make it happen for God. You let it happen in your life. That's why that, that first song, I'm going to wait on you, is, is, is so deep. That's what Isaiah says. You know, it's those that wait on the Lord. It's not those that do for the Lord. It's not those that grind for the Lord. It's not those that push for the Lord. It's those that wait on the Lord. And we've been taught in this world that, you know, the more you do, the more you struggle and strive and grind. And that we do need a good work ethic. Consider the ant, right? But the word of God also shows that Jesus, in the morning, he would rise and go to prayer. And then at night, you know, before he went to bed, he'd go to prayer. And he prayed so much that the disciples would fall asleep on him. Like, that's how much he prayed. And then we wonder how he changed the world in three and a half years. Well, because he, he, he did it by being led. I believe you could be so much more efficient if you let your life be led by him. I'm going to ask you to stand up real quick. That way we finish. I, I, I want to pray. And I just want to give some time for us to learn how to wait. 
Okay, so uh, if you have to go, you have to go. It's fine, and we're not going to judge or anything. It's cool. Like, trust me, it's cool. Is it cool? It's cool, right? It's cool. Hey, we're in Fondren. Uh, but it, it, these are the moments that, you know, w- we need to strive for, the moments where we get to pray a little bit more, the moments where we get to, you know, bask in his presence, if you will. It's a little bit more. Nothing crazy has to happen. You know, sometimes we think that we need to get a word at that moment. Sometimes all you need to do is you, you just need to be there. In his presence. In the car, be in his presence. You know, on your way to work, just spend time in his presence. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Sometimes God will speak to you something specific. But other times, it's just a great reminder of whose you are. Of who lives inside of you. And just living with that on top of mind. You know, the first reaction, I go to God. You know, I, I know him. I know him and the power of his resurrection. That whenever you are faced with trial, whenever you are faced with tribulations and an attack, uh, you know how to respond because you know him. And so even that is, it, it might be a fight, you know, it might be a struggle, but it's easy. It comes natural. It's automatic because you spent time with him. Are we here? So I'm going to pray, and I'm just going to ask you to start praying. It doesn't have to be in a loud voice. You don't have to go crazy. I'm really, really, it's going to be light. His, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. But I, I want us to take advantage of these moments here at Fondren to, to take, you know, there's no time constraints. And I'm not saying we're going to go to 12. But just, you know, take, take these moments to, to learn how to do it. You know, it's easier, it's like, it's like a gym. It's easier to work out in the gym than it is at home. And, you know, everyone, that's why gyms keep on opening. It's not, it, you know, everyone's like, I can do push-ups at home. Yes, you can. But there's a reason why, you know, we pay for a year at the gym because it's, it's easier when it's, there's a corporate setting. So take advantage of this corporate setting right now and, and, and learn to just wait and worship and just spend time in this presence and just soak it in and then open up your mouth and then just say, Father, I, I worship you even now. I just thank you again. Father God, we, we come before you tonight and we enter in. Your, your word of God says in Hebrews that we can enter boldly into the throne, that we can enter boldly into your presence, Father. Father, we ask tonight that your presence be made real in this place. We're not, we're not forcing a situation. We're not, we're not forcing an experience we just want you father we want to be able to listen to your voice we, we want to make time and make room for you tonight father that you might speak into our life that you might just be more real to us father that we might know you that we might know your presence and that we might know your resurrection power father that, that we might know that you are with us that we might understand that you 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 have no rival that you are the undefeated one and yet you've decided to step down and and live among us father that your holy spirit is the resurrection is the life and lives inside of us that we are the temple of the holy spirit and father we thank you for the honor and we thank you father for the truth of your word and and we just declare father that that we want more of you and that we, we we are capable of hearing your voice tonight father we want to know you we want to 
to know your presence. We want to know your voice more and more and more, Father. Teach us to go deeper. Teach us to go deeper in your word. Father, let there be a hunger in our spirit for more of you, Father. Let there be a hunger for more of your presence, for more of your truth, for more of your fire, Father. Let there be a hunger. Let there be a stirring in our hearts, Father, that we desire to spend more time with you, that we desire to be in these moments and just spend time with you, Father. We worship you. We give you honor. We give you glory. We give you praise, Father, tonight. We love you, Father. We glorify you tonight. We give you all the glory that as we wait on you, our strength is being renewed. That in this moment, even though we might be tired, even though we we, we might feel weary, we wait on you in your presence. And we know that as we walk out, we will be efficient. The effective prayer of the righteous man availeth much. That our prayer is powerful. That our voice is heard in heaven. And it's also heard in hell. In the name of Jesus, we take authority tonight. And we declare that our life will glorify God. That our life will be Christ-like. That we will be closer and closer to you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 Now just take the time and just lift your own voice. I I wish I could just pray for you. But I I need to push you a little bit tonight because I'm not there when you're having a problem. You know who is though? God. You know who is the Holy Spirit. So you need to learn how to make the connection. You need to know. So there's no better place than right now that you open up your mouth. You enter in. You have access. He's forgotten everything. We already know. So you get to enter in. Spend time with him. Start talking to him. You're like, well, I don't know what to say. Well, say hello. I don't know. But start with something and enter into his presence hallelujah and there's a shift in the atmosphere tonight i believe things are being shaken in our life i believe there's like this it's like this rattling it's like what i see is like this you're shaking this book and dust is falling off it's like the holy spirit is telling you listen like we got to shake some things in our schedule shake some things in life You know, dust off those things you already know you have to do. You know, it took me a couple of years to be obedient to what God has said. And I would fight with them. I'm like, God, what is next? And after like a year and a half, God told me, I can't tell you what is next until you do what is last, what I told you last. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And I I knew I was acting dumb, but I knew. And I believe that a lot of us already know what we are called to do what's the next step maybe we don't know you know the full extent of our life but you do know what the next step is do that you know that prayer time that you've been trying to carve out well get get to it carve it out i don't 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 give excuses anymore this is not the time for excuses this is the time to go all in hallelujah I believe that as we do, miracles start to happen. 
I believe as we do, God becomes more real in your life. And when he does, the miraculous starts to be real. There's a declaration that I do every so often, and it's that the supernatural needs to become natural in our life. That, that we are amazed by the supernatural, but never surprised. Because what else would we expect? When God moves, supernatural things happen. You know, supernatural healing, supernatural miracles. Come on, like, there's like debt being removed and all these things. It, it, it's super, not over the natural. We're thankful for it, but we're not surprised. Because why would we be surprised? That's what, it's who God is. But I, I believe the Holy Spirit is, is already highlighting it's this do this and when you do then there will be something else you're going to do and to be completely honest you you end up losing yourself in him and that's the goal it really is it's not finding more time for yourself no no it's finding more time for him that, that that's the purpose of our life and that we might get to heaven and that we might get to hear you know that the glorious saying well done good and faithful servant that's what we want to hear so can i push you a little bit more just one more push just a little poop right there uh can, can we sing a song though the word of god says that you know he abides in in, in worship he, he he abides when we worship it it's something that creates the atmosphere it's like it, it's a a path that is easy to access is worship i do it all the time sometimes i feel very dry I need to put some worship on so that I can enter in. So let, let's worship, see where it takes us, see where it takes us, uh, and, and then we'll see.